Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the blessing and gift of this day, another day of life, another day to worship you and serve you, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us as we gather here together, that you would reveal yourself powerfully here in our presence, Lord, that you would give me the words to proclaim your good news to your people today, Lord, and that you would transform our lives and hearts, Lord. Humble us, break us, and then build us up again in your love and mercy. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! Morning. It is so splendid to see you all this morning. Well, uh, for my birthday, one of my daughters gave me this bag of jelly bellies, and when she gave it to me, it was nearly full. Uh, And I made a major tactical error, right? I put it on my desk next to my keyboard for my computer. Right? And, And I... I would save myself the step of, like, ziplocking it and sealing it every time, because why seal it up, right? Yeah. So I just kind of leave the bag open there right next to my computer. And it often happened like this. I would reach over and think, I'm just going to have one Jelly Belly, oh. right? Because these things are delicious, made with, like, real fruit juices and flavors. And, oh, man, they are just a cut above the other jelly beans out there. And so I would take one, and invariably it would be one that I wasn't completely satisfied with. I'd say, you know, that was root beer, and I didn't really want root beer. What I really wanted was plum, or not plum, but like a pear. I wanted a pear, right? And so I'll have to um, try the next one and see if it's good or not. Because the first one doesn't count. Like, I didn't want it, right? That's just practice. It was just a demo. And so I'd reach in and take another, and often that was one I liked, right? And I'd say, that was delicious. I should have another one like that. And then I'd take two and three and four and five, and it would just keep going from there, right? And before I know it, I'd lose count. Does that ever happen to you guys? It's a, these things are like, these things are a powerful force in this world, these jelly bellies, right? They are like a weapon of mass destruction around me. Because before I knew it, I was finding myself with a jelly belly, right? Not just the candy, but... Right here, right? I was starting to put it on, just eating these jelly bellies. It was terrible. Right? And food, are one of the, food is one of those things that unites and divides us, doesn't it? Right? It brings us together, but it also shows our differences. You go in Southeast Asia, they put some things on a table that you might not be interested in eating, right? Like a cobra's venom sack or something like that. You guys don't, I don't see many of those at coffee hour. Right? But... It's, you know, or like, a, you know, a dog or something, right? They eat all kinds of different things in different parts of the world. Chicken feet, some people like those. Um, chitlins in the south. And you got all kinds of interesting creatures that people like to eat. What's that? Haggis. That's right, haggis, exactly. Absolutely, there's all kinds of things around this world that are um, fascinating and different. But that... Um, we might not be interested in, right? Sometimes people eat things that shock us, and we eat things that shock other people too. Uh, In our gospel passage for today, there is a meal that Jesus proposes that shocks everybody. More than just the typical, you know, shocking we get from the occasional thing that somebody eats. Jesus shocks his audience with what he proposes they should eat. And so, in our gospel passage for today, we have a food fight, or a fight over food. So, let's look at it. We are here in chapter 6 of John, and I'll give you a little context for the 6th chapter of John. Uh, Thank you, Kat, for distracting everybody. 
And so um, you're very talented to walk across that pew top. That is very impressive. Thank you for showing us. There we go. Thank you. Okay, so um, back to where we were, chapter 6 of John. I'll give you some context because a text without a context is merely a pretext for a proof text. And so we want to have some context here. A text without a context is merely a pretext for a proof text. Right? Unless we have the context of the passage, it's easy to uh, misinterpret the passage. We need to have it within the context of Scripture. Uh, so the chapter begins with verses 1 through 15, where we have the account of the feeding of the 5,000. Right? This should bring to mind uh, God feeding his people, the Israelites, in the wilderness with manna from heaven uh, under Moses, their leader. Right? This should, um, so Jesus takes on that role of Moses and this connection with the bread from heaven that we hear in our passage should bring us back to the manna, which was a sign of something greater which was to come. Okay, keep that in mind as we go through this. Then verses 16 through 21, Jesus walks on water. Verses 22 through 59, we have the I am the bread of life section of which of which our passage is the end of it. And then in verses 60 through 71, we hear that many of Jesus' disciples leave him, and no longer walk with him. We're not talking about the twelve, but the larger context of the disciples who had been following Jesus, the big crowds. Many of them cannot handle what is discussed in our passage of Scripture from today. So it focuses, our passage focuses on a statement that Jesus makes articulating that the Father gives the true bread from heaven, which Jesus identifies as a person. We understand it to be him who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. To which the people, who totally don't get it, say, Sir, give us this bread always. They don't understand that Jesus is referring to himself. They still think he's talking about a meal. And who wouldn't want a meal that goes on forever and ever, right? Our passage then begins with Jesus' statement in response to their question about, or their, their, state, their desire to have the bread always. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. There's no doubt there, right? Jesus identifies he is the bread. It's important how this statement begins with the words, I am. This is intentional on the part of Jesus, and it would not have been lost upon his audience in that synagogue in Capernaum. They would have heard those words, I am, and it would have brought them back to another time in the wilderness where Moses met with God at the burning bush. And God said, I am what I am. Which was then echoed by Popeye much later, but to less significance. Right? So this would have been a shocking statement by Jesus to his audience. These words, these are God's words. This is how God speaks. And Jesus, being God, speaks in this same manner. Then, as if that wasn't enough for them, he totally freaks them out when he says, Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Flesh. Whoa. Cannibalism. Right? Do you think that's what they were thinking? It's absolutely what they were thinking, right? Because they're like, the crazy train has gone off the rails here, Jesus. This is not okay. They say among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
They hear him, and they understand him to be saying cannibalism. Which I might be a little freaked out by too, right? I mean, I've tried many foods around the world, but never that one. If this were most of us speaking, we would see the shock on people's faces and perhaps begin to backtrack or qualify our statements. Right? When I said my flesh, I really meant this. Or you must have misunderstood me. But Jesus doesn't. He totally goes Donald Trump, right? And he pushes on through. He just keeps going, right? Just keeps going. No breaks. Because he wants to get to their hearts. He has not misspoken. Indeed, he has more to say. And he wants to push them hard on this point. Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the, son, eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. This totally threw his audience at the synagogue over the top. After this dialogue, it is told to us that many of his disciples no longer walked with him. And this was in a town where Jesus was really well known, the town of Capernaum. It was the town of Peter and Andrew. Their house was like right outside the synagogue. Right? Two of his close disciples, their house right there. And this is their town, all their buddies Right? All their people, friends from high school and growing up, they're there hearing the disciple who they, I mean, hearing the rabbi who they have become disciples of say these things. Can you imagine how shocking that was for them and the other disciples too? What was Jesus up to? Because this sounds a little like a political meltdown, right? He's made some statements that have shocked people too much. There's no way he's going to get elected. What is he up to? Why did he preach this complicated sermon? And what did he mean? Well, Jesus was up to teaching about faith in him. He preached his complicated sermon to teach the people about what it means to believe in him and to weed out those who were just there because of the free meal they had received on the other side of the lake and were hoping for more free meals or who were following him because he seemed popular. He was the best show in town. But what he meant by his statements, this is the most important of the questions. Jesus taught spiritual truth by referencing objects in this world. He did this all the time, right? Mustard seeds, pearls, treasures, all kinds of things. He would stones. He would use these things to teach about a spiritual theme, which was hard for the people to understand. And more, than, more often than not, the people would misunderstand him when he would teach, or when he would use these um, objects in the world to teach about spiritual things. In this instance, he is teaching that people must eat his flesh, which means that they must trust in him and put their faith in him. They must receive Jesus Christ into their lives. And that they must drink his blood, which means that they must believe in the blood that he poured out for the world on the cross. These statements means that we must receive Jesus Christ if we are to inherit eternal life. We must receive both his life and his death, his body and his blood. You and I 
it's a little easier to deal with these passages, right? Because we live 2,000, nearly 2,000 years after Jesus said these things. And it's easier for us to spiritualize them because we don't have him standing right in front of us, physically right there saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Right? So it's easier for us to go to like a spiritual context and say, okay, that's a little simpler. We can make this the language of communion, where we eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus. But in our effort to do that, it's important for us to get to communion from this. This is essential. We need to get to communion from this. But we should not make it too simple. These words need to have an edge to them, an edge which challenges us and shocks us. If we make it all just soft and gentle, we've lost something of the way Jesus was speaking to his original and intended audience. The act of faith that Jesus is calling us to should shock us. Faith in him is not for the timid at heart. Faith in Jesus Christ is not for those who only want to go in part way. Those who are only interested in getting the benefits of feeling good about themselves while denying the death that we are called to die. Faith in Jesus Christ is not for them. Faith in Jesus Christ is for those who have been called to him and can do nothing else but receive his grace and mercy and love. It's for those of us who have come to the end of our rope and realize that we have nothing else to offer. We realize that we are insufficient, that we have failed, that we have broken the promises we have made, that we have hurt the ones we are called to love. Faith in Jesus Christ is for us, the broken ones, the hurting ones, the lost ones, the lonely ones, the poor in spirit. And Jesus' words drove people away from him, and yet all those who had been called by the Father stayed with him. They were not driven away by his statements. So the question that I put for you today is, where do you stand with Jesus Christ? Are you willing to do the unthinkable and consume Jesus Christ and die to yourself so that Christ might live in you? Are we willing to sacrifice everything for the Lord who makes statements that sound so out of step with our world that they shock us and confuse us? Are we willing to give up and lose everything from Jesus Christ? Confess that we are broken, needy people in need of a Savior. If so, if we take this path of death, you and I will find that as we lose it all, we gain so much more than we ever had before. Not money, not fame, not good looks, but life, true life. Jesus said, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Today, this Savior calls to us and says, how will you receive my word? Will you receive me? Will you allow me to fill you, to transform you, to kill the old man that is in us and bring about the life of Christ? Will we let Jesus do this good and awesome work inside of us? Or will we deny him and push him away as we try to do this on our own? May we receive our Savior today and have our lives our hearts transformed by the powerful love of God.
Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the God who takes what has failed, what is broken, what is unrighteous, Lord. You take that from us and you give us new life in you. Lord God, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for the ways we turn away from you and try to find our own self-sufficiency apart from you. Lord, we pray that you would break us, crush that in us, Lord, so that we might find our sufficiency in you alone. And may you fill us with your hope anew, Lord. May you refresh us in our faith in you. And may you send us out into this world with your words of reconciliation, hope, and peace, Lord. May we humbly and joyfully go out proclaiming your good news. And may you prepare the way, Lord. Soften people's hearts to receive your grace and your gospel. Lord, and give us the words to share your life with them. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.